0: A few years ago, several, I don't know, a handful of years ago, I won the Emerald City Opener, which was their writing contest that they had at the beginning of their- In Seattle. In Seattle, at the beginning of their conference. And so, which was super, I was so thrilled. That was so exciting. And um, what came along with that was the opportunity to have a one-on-one, like a longer pitch session with the agent who had judged my category. Which was contemporary, and so I knew that she had read already my first chapter because that was the contest was a first chapter contest, and so I went into it really unprepared. <laughs> oh no! Big mistake. And um, I had not finished the book, and it was it was a bumbling disaster, and I froze. I did the thing where I, what happens to me when I get nervous is I have this, like, my soul leaves my body and I watch my mouth just continue to move. And it's awful. And I think, you know, as I'm floating above myself, I think, shut up, shut up, shut up. (laughs) And so that was my pitching experience with her. And she was like, so is the book done? And I was like, "Oh." oh, no, oh no, it was awful. And so nothing came. Of that conference win, which could have been, um, it was an opportunity. It was a missed opportunity and created for me just after that pitch session, a super awkward relationship with this very nice, young, up and coming agent. Mm -hmm. Um, And instead of that being something that I can kind of go back to and build on, now it's something that when I see her name at events, I'm like, I gotta be on the lookout for her so i can duck into the bathroom if i see oh her no that's a,
1: she's failing <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna go against what my business partner is saying right now and be like no don't do that <laughs> okay but you know somebody else told me a story just like this and she's like recently and she's like i made such a jerk of myself with this agent and i went overboard and i sounded crazy but now, whenever I see this agent, I go even more crazy. Yes, and it's just like a compounding crazy. And now I think they duck into the bathroom. So like, <laughs> it's so funny. And yep. these stories are so normal, you guys. Like, oh my gosh, but it is funny, and I love this. And I think that really publishing could be called missed opportunities. Yeah, I think because you're right. oh my gosh, like everybody in this business is like, I was so close. I was. something, this happened and this, I I could have been here. And I think that leads to a really interesting point, which is you have your own trajectory in this business. Yes. Never, ever, ever compare yourself to other people Mm -hmm. because you will never compare, be doing well enough if you're looking at your, uh, your ones above you. And you know, it, you're never doing enough. You've never made enough. You've never written enough. You're not producing enough. You're not writing enough. And I mean, there's just a, a, definitely a, a not enough feeling. Mm-hmm. So don't compare yourself. I had a really good missed opportunity when I was starting out. Um, it was in, back in the days of SASE, self-addressed stamped envelopes. Woohoo! I was yeah. 20. I'm only in my 30s. I'm going to reiterate <laughs> this. Um, but it was right at the end of that before electronic submissions. Some were doing them. Some weren't. Um,
0: my goal, I wrote a business plan before I started writing, like, novels. Oh, yeah. Just one quick note, as we're talking about don't compare yourself to other people, what you should be comparing yourself to is your stated goals in your business plan. Check out selfpublishingservices.com to find your free author's business plan, because it is vitally important. And I wrote it. Boom, boom. <laughs> okay, sorry. No,
1: self-grandiose right there, I swear. <laughs> but no, I actually wrote it with... with authors in mind. Um, I was a marketing director for a publishing house for a really long time. Um, and that's kind of, I saw fails like hard fails and I saw really great successes and it was really like, so that's where that business plan kind of came about. But, um, so as a business, as when I was starting out my own writing career, pre publishing house, pre all of this stuff, I said, my one goal is to write for Harlequin. I saw that as the gold standard in romance period. Um, you know, that, that, my first romance conversation we've had <laughs> in, other, um, in other podcasts, that it was really true. I'm like, I saw that as the romance novel. Right. It's um, the brand everybody, everybody knows. Everybody knows. Yeah, and so I that was my goal. And at that point, I went to a writer's meeting, and they go, tell, me, tell us about yourself. How long have you been writing? I'm like, I'm not a writer.
0: <laughs> you said I'm that not, out loud? I
1: said that out loud. And I had written a children's book huh. at that point, and I had written for magazines, but it was fun, hobbyist kind of writing. And it right. wasn't professional. It was it was empowering, but it wasn't a, an option for... It wasn't a career career. Path. Yeah. No, not yeah. at all. And so I was like, hey, I'm not a writer, but in five years, I want to write for Harlequin. <laughs> not an impossible goal at all. But no kidding. So I, I had... They helped me, that writers group, which we could have a whole podcast on as writer groups. Oh, we will. Um, is they helped me write and finish my first novel. I sent it off. Um, I got five offers for this first novel. Whoa. Um, actually this was my second novel. My first novel lives under the bed. Of course it does. Yeah, because I'd finished the first novel before my writer's group, and I got some really bad feedback. So this was the second novel, I guess. <laughs> I kind of forget about the one under the bed. Um, so this is the second novel. I got five offers, and, and I was offered an advance, which at the time was pretty uncommon, and it's still really, really uncommon except for by the big big guys, big publishing houses, the big five, big six, whatever you, you want to call it. Um, so I took it. I didn't have an agent. I had never known anybody who'd gotten a publishing contract before, so I didn't have anybody to ask questions. Whoa. This was really before Facebook was huge. Mm-hmm. So, like, the resources available, I was reading blogs. Kind of, mm-hmm. that was it. So I wasn't getting the best information out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I took the deal... Let the other deals, other people know that hey, I'm I'm in pass. It was absolutely a hundred percent the wrong deal. Oh no. Um lesson learned. Yeah. Right? And then like three months later, after that, I got a message from Harlequin in the in the mailbox.
0: Oh no. That they
1: were interested in this book. Seriously? Seriously. Ugh. And I that's my I could have been writing for Harlequin for 10 years. Right. But right? that was your missed
0: opportunity. And that was had
1: been my goal. Yeah. And I just didn't believe in myself enough at that time. I was like, oh, they passed. It's in the slush pile. Mm-hmm. Because it's very common to never, ever hear back. Right. And that is what I had anticipated. Now, guys, let me tell you, in this stage age, what I've learned as working for publishing houses, doing the things that I do, is if you have an offer... A, keep track of everywhere you're sending submissions. Mm-hmm. If you have an offer, reach out to those other people that you have sent your manuscript to. Agents, agents should be first. Let me let me start there. Reach out to all the, all the agents. If you have no agent and you've gone to editors instead, reach out to all those agents and let them, or editors, let them know that you have an offer. Because what that's going to do is create a bidding frenzy because there's that FOMO that kind of mm-hmm. happens, that fear mm-hmm. of missing out. And had I used that, I, I'm i almost 100% certain I could have had a contract on that book for Harlequin. Wow. Now, lesson learned. And maybe, hopefully, my pain can be your salve. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's, it's So, yeah, again, totally
0: off subject, but a lesson learned. And that's, I think, one of the things that's most important to keep in mind, especially going into pitching and going into these things that you look at as giant opportunities and get yourself really amped up for them is a lost opportunity is just that. It is not the door closing. No. It is not the door slamming. It is a lost opportunity among many other opportunities that are out there and that you can make for yourself. Absolutely. And so, yes, we're all going to have those stories of here's the really stupid thing that I did mm-hmm. in the face of this amazing gift of an opportunity. Yeah, everybody's gonna have those stories, but that's how you learn and move on and ultimately pave your way in the publishing world. And and
1: coming at it from a positive direction as well, um, is that at that point in my career to kind of expound on that a little bit, I was an, an okay writer, mm-hmm. but I grew so much mm. in that from that book to five years later when I actually finally did break into Harlequin. Right. And that was Harlequin Nocturne, which is a line that is no longer open. So I would have gone into a line with a five-year trajectory, not knowing at the time that they would close. Right. And probably be done with Harlequin at that point. Right. Because... Whereas now I write for Harlequin's biggest line, which is Intrigue, and they are their best, best-selling best line. Mm-hmm. And had I taken that contract, I mean, like, the you, you play the what-if game. Right. But I, I see it as a positive because I was able to grow... And do the things that fate had in store for me. Mm-hmm. But man, was that painful. Right. Man, was that painful. Um, so back to pitching though. I mean, I, I told you some stories about pitching to Harlequin. And, and, and Harlequin has not always been my number one. I mean, it's just was definitely my goal. Yeah. And I was so myopic about that goal. I mean, it wasn't that I, I didn't try for other places. I really, really tried. Because especially with agents and getting agents and getting all the things, they're going to push you everywhere.
0: They're going to they're gonna have a business plan for you. I, that so That may not another, match
1: up with yours.
0: Right. So that's another reason to have your own business plan is Absolutely. so that you're directing your career, yeah. not letting it fall into the hands of the team around yeah. you.
1: So I want to come back to this pitching thing. And so after this negative experience is when I decided I needed an agent.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, because I had made money. It wasn't a great experience, um, but I knew I enjoyed what I was doing. Um, and from that, I, I ended up working for a publishing house. That's an amazing... And not the publishing house I was even publishing with at that point. But, like, I did end up publishing with the publishing house I was working with. It was a small house. It wasn't anything great. But um, from that, I was like, this is – I love this. Mm. Every little step was a step in empowerment. But I was like, I really need an agent. Um, and I don't know how I did it. I mean, I, I, dumb luck <laughs> getting myself in the right seats – because I definitely didn't have the numbers. I definitely got, didn't have the things that they look for today. Mm-hmm. But what I did have is I came in that door with a business plan. Mm-hmm. I came in there with a marketing plan. And it was because of the research I had seen, and again, I hadn't been working for the publishing house that long, maybe a few months at that point, And I was just, I was seeing what was working and not working. And so I, I sat down with, um, I have a funny story, is it's actually the lead of one of my other podcasts, I had a terrible pitch session with Harlequin and I fell in the lap, you <laughs> got to listen to the other podcast, I'm not re- reiterating it here because it's embarrassing as, like, as f. but I came into that next uh, pitch session with my act together and feeling a little bit more confident, like I can't go downhill from here, <laughs> so maybe a little hubris was going on, like as long as I don't set myself on fire or I don't land in anybody's lap, I'm doing great. Um, so... Introduce yourself as the person you're talking to. Yeah! If I remember my name, this is going to be a really (laughs) good pitch. So, I sat down and I pitched to an agent and they signed me on the spot. Wow. I have not heard of that happening since. To anyone. Wow. I know. I mean, it's so crazy. Just, I mean, I've I've heard of people getting them post-conference. And I've been heard of people getting a call back after they sent the stuff. No, I went in there as a brand... Yes. Instead of as a book. hmm And they saw that, and they're like, oh, my gosh, we love your energy. If you're writing, and obviously you're published, so here's your contract kind of a, a thing. Like, it didn't come out literally that day, but, like, right. I mean, I was pub- I was signed in the week, I think. That's amazing. So, and, and I'd never had an agent before. I, I, They were good. They were at a national conference. They were very, they're, they're still a very wonderful... A wonderful agency but they just didn't fit my brand later um, which which can be a different uh, conversation about your career path and, and, and business goals but so one thing I want to talk about is actually the act
0: of pitching and I think I've touched on one thing so far which is that brand versus book and that comes into it goes always always goes back to your plan which starts with your goals and these are things you need to know you may write an absolutely astonishing book and that's gonna take you pretty far but without some bigger thinking some context around that some kind of global thinking um, and a plan really and owning your own brand like in terms of you know where you want to go and you know how you want to get there you're gonna run into problems
1: (laughs) oh my gosh yes so it's funny you should say that because I was listening active listening I swear (laughs) But I was thinking about what she was saying, and, you know, my brand shifted over the years.
0: Mm-hmm. Because when you first started... I was, I was
1: writing paranormal, I was writing vampires, I'm not gonna, I, it's such a joke now, but, like, um, I loved them, and I was, like, I, I was just trying, I was just yeah. trying to learn, and so I tried to write the sweets, and I tried to write the Christmases, and I tried to write the different things, and I'm, like, you know what? I like murder. <laughs> I had to accept I too love a good murder Oh, I just had to accept that I am just a little bit darker I'm not that cozy mystery girl mm-hmm. um I am gonna write things that make people think and like make you question who you are at your core and and I love that mm-hmm. I love that duality between good and evil mm-hmm. and um but you have to acknowledge who you are as a person and and it wasn't even I guess it's what I like to read too yeah But I read so eclectically that I didn't know that at that point.
0: Right. Well, and some of it, too, is they always say, start with what you know. And I will definitely say that thinking about, I love to read historicals. I Mm -hmm. love them. But the idea... The concept of doing the research for that is so intense Oh my to gosh, me. I
1: couldn't write historicals like, for anything. I, I feel like Hats I Hats off would, to anybody
0: who can do it. Right? It takes so much research and knowledge and awareness, and I'm just not prepared for that. No. So, even though that might be what I choose to read, I'm going to be writing in contemporary yeah. because, quite frankly, I'm lazy, and I just feel oh, like... Oh, I... <laughs> she is
1: so not lazy. Don't let her say that out loud. That's funny. No, it, but it... Yeah, and your brand will probably shift over time, too. I'm sure it
0: will. And everybody's does, because as a human being, you grow and you change. Absolutely. And And, that's okay. And, you know, it's back to pitching. I was was
1: pitching myself. I still do. Mm -hmm. This far in my career, I pitch. Yeah. I pitch differently now than a new author would. Yep. Um, But, like, this year, I was sitting at dinner. So when you get established, you go to dinner with your editors and your marketing teams and your agents and all the people. Right, you got to go do the the back thing and we're sitting there and i was like i i really had a frank discussion with him and maybe it was that we were two beers in <laughs> but i was like you know what everybody at this table because we were at dinner with the whole intrigue line the authors i was like you know what i've never sat at a table where i'm so like-minded with everybody sitting here mm-hmm. ever and it's because i fit their brand i didn't know how well i fit their brand until i met the rest of the authors we are all very single-minded women we're a we're all super lean in very very authentic very very kind i not me (laughs) but the other ones but smart and they are they have this duality thing going on they love what they do and they love to experience the dark and the light but beyond that it's a lifestyle Mm -hmm. it is an absolute way we live and it's not the homes the states the belief systems behind us it is our lifestyle we focus so much on the research behind Mm -hmm. our books that our
0: lives mirror each other Mm. it's really interesting and i think too what i would take a stab at is that you're all very driven and all very i um, think that can be said of all authors though Not all. Well, successful and like... Successful authors. And I think when it comes to pitching, that's what they're sussing out is, are you invested enough, not just in your writing, but in your career, Mm -hmm. to do what needs to be done? Well, and I think, you know, I just heard
1: it this year, um, where agents, and it might have just been in the last couple months, where they said, we aren't looking for one-time authors. We are looking for career writers. And that was the first time I'd heard it come from an editor's mouth. I mean, I've heard it, obviously. My editors tell me that all the time now. But I was like, yeah, okay, you want to keep me forever, sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it was true. Um the, the fact of the matter is the market isn't set up anymore for a person that writes one book.
0: Right. You're, not, you're never going to retire on that. And I think, so a lot of people now, what I hear at conferences all the time is this question of, oh, do I have to go into a pitch session with a whole platform, you know, my social media and a bunch of followers and do I have to bring them fans? And every time editors and agents kind of hedge how they answer that and they're like, not really. What they're really saying is, no, you don't have to come in with that pre-established. You have to come in with the capacity to build that. Oh, that's a great way to say that. That's what they're looking for. Yeah. Is somebody who's looking beyond... This one story. Yeah. So if you walk into a pitch session and you make that impression that, A, I know my writing and my book and my comps, which we'll talk about in a second. I know my genre. I know the industry. And I either know or am prepared to do some serious marketing. Yeah. That's what you need. And invest in myself. Invest in myself. And investing means going to the conferences. Being open to learning being open to editing, you know, those are the investments you're going to make in yourself. And being flexible. Being flexible. Because sometimes <laughs> the line is going to come back to you and say, uh, we hate this main character, you got to change him, and this is what it needs to look like. And if you're, you know... And that be- actually happens more often than not. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, hey, we don't like this
1: baby, this baby doesn't work, or this hero doesn't work, or this heroine is too hard. Or, I mean, I mean, I got that edit three weeks ago. Ugh. Where they're like, this guy is too dark he's for a hero. And I'm like, you know what? Not everybody wants the fluff. Right. Some some want the anti-hero. And yeah, this guy is an anti-hero. And she didn't agree with it. The editor, my other editors did agree with it. But it's different. You know, it's different. And, and I am okay with that. Like, mm-hmm. I knew that going in that
0: this isn't going to quite match what the stereotype is. But the thing you can back yourself up with is... Knowing your genre and knowing your industry. And knowing my readers. And being able to talk the talk. Yeah. And,
1: and that comes with time. Like, I can't say, hey, I walked into my pitch knowing everything. I certainly didn't. Um, I actually do a lot of pitch mentoring at conferences when they ask me to. I don't, mm-hmm. I, I love volunteering and paying it forward. Because like I said earlier in this podcast, I didn't know my ass from my elbow when I started this. <laughs> and so I feel like I owe it to other people to be honest and help. Other people avoid the pitfalls, the stupid tax. The stupid tax. We talk about that. We talk about that a lot. Um, that I paid, right. you know, and it, if if I can help one person, and and honestly, and I'm proud to say I've probably helped a lot more than one person at this point because I've seen Definitely. a lot of authors become successful that I've I've helped, and I'm super proud of that because I'm proud of their successes.
0: And, and I don't think you. I don't think any author going into a pitch should feel like they have to know everything but what sets you apart is knowing something and and being confident and being confident and knowing it's so hard knowing beyond what you've written yeah the it's, market the, the
1: total and oh god i hate i hate the market sometimes
0: because it is it's a rabbit you're never gonna catch no it changes all the time yeah. You know, as soon as... And the thing, too, about pitching and going traditional is that the traditional market is very reactionary. Yeah. And so they're trying to always do the math and figure out what are the trends we can catch on to? What are the upcoming trends that we can catch on to? And those trends are really dictated by the people who are like, screw it, I'm just going to write this thing. Exactly. And then it blows That break up. the
1: mold. Yeah. That break the mold. And, and uh, you know, five years ago they're saying, and I hate talking about this because it's, it's a very inflammatory thing but um we're gonna do it yeah because we're genuine and we're gonna talk real about everything publishing um five years ago you could never have any sort of rape in a book in a romance novel Mm. Mm -hmm. now it was really interesting i i went to a class on uh consent and they were talking about how rape is now acceptable in the context of like bdsm Hmm. interesting if it's acknowledged much earlier in the story so like on page one if they say i'm into this and page 300 not really 300 but like 215 uh-huh. he rapes her it's okay and i'm like i don't think i can do that i Whoa. will never write that book yeah but it's interesting to see what happens in the market and to see the social shifts right um, and I think some of that's probably coming from Fifty Shades of Grey because I mean there is that ownership and that vulnerability and that trust that kind of comes with that, right? Um, and 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 I don't want to talk about that a whole lot, but it, it's more of a example of all the things that can that dramatically shift.
0: Yes. In publishing. Right. Well, and if you think about it too, when the romance genre really broke out, that's what the books were. Was this R- body strippers? Right. It was this. Uh, forceful avenue for women to explore their sexuality and the impetus for that was often rape yeah and so it was it became a trope it was the thing in so many of the romance yeah but then novels. that totally died out and then 100%. it hundred percent yep and then it did a 180 and then it was no this isn't okay and you can't even allude to that and it has to be and so now we're seeing it evolve even more and it's it's an interesting I mean I'd like to hear more
1: about it um, as far as in classroom settings right in academic settings the psychology behind that because I, right. I think I get it but um, it, it's just interesting that and, and it's not just rape it's all these other things that go along with it and it's these breakout novels that break the rules that say and and there are definitely some social mores that will never ever ever be acceptable Um, and we don't need to touch on those. No, we
0: don't even need to. But
1: don't try to break those rules because those are never going to be acceptable. I mean, and I'm going to say this openly, we have had clients that come to us with books that I say no to Mm -hmm. based on moral objection. And, and it takes me a lot to have anything where I'm like, no, Yep. no, but there are a few things we just won't touch. No, absolutely not. And I, and I don't think that we need to go too deep in them. I think they're pretty obvious and in general. Right. Um, right. But yeah I mean, so break the rules in the in the general sense, be comfortable in what you're writing in the general sense mm-hmm. um and but that goes back to pitching and knowing and knowing what the market will respond to right and a great way to do that is to look on Amazon,
0: oh, yeah, to check out the best sellers in any given category or Apple. and Apple, and using a lot of um using just even typing into the search bar, you know, type in the tropes, type in. Look and see what are the 100 best sellers in any given category. There's a lot of tools you can use to do your research. The other thing you need to be aware of when you go into a pitch session with an editor or an agent is where they're coming from. Oh, heck yeah. Who are they working for? What is their... Because that's the thing is it's so often it's easy to be like, oh, I got a, I got a pitch session with this agent. Great. Who do they represent? Yeah. What do they like? Who are they as a person? Because the most important... Like, he, here's what I think are the two most important things coming out of a pitch session. It's not even really about your book. Yes, you have to have a concept that's sellable, but most importantly, you need to make a personal connection with that Absolutely. editor or agent, and you need to show them that you are business minded.
1: And it doesn't even have to be friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, so I'm on my third agent, not gonna lie. Uh, it, that sounds terrible. No, it's just trying to it's it's like any other job you've got to find the right fit yeah um but with this i'm with jill marshal she's fantastic but did we start as friends no absolutely not um uh, we came at it from both from she's super business-minded i'm super business-minded and i said send me your contract she laughed at me she sent me the contract um and she's hard to get I mean but it was just that we came at it from the same perspective we have the same personality Mm -hmm. for good or bad we just both are like hey we got a job to do let's go yep um and, and and knowing that about her is why I felt so comfortable going let's go Let let's skip the nonsense we're both at a place in our careers where we don't have to play those games let's go now that being said though it's that's unique Yes, that's unique. Um, But there are other agents um, that actually work with SPS, with our company. Mm -hmm. We are um, affiliated with them. I I won't give names, but we have about five where if we see really strong projects, we absolutely do see these strong projects coming up into self-publishing. And we go, hey, are you looking for an agent? We've put people in contact.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We've where we see fit,
0: right. right?
1: Because we've made friendships over the years with these wonderful agents, with these wonderful editors, um, in the traditional side, where we're gonna we're gonna try to always do what's best for our clients, and that's one of those things that I'm so proud of for our mm-hmm. company, man. Like I've turned down money because I'm not in this. I mean, I like money. Don't get me wrong. Oh yeah. But I am not in this for for money. I'm in this
0: to help authors. Well, yeah, and to make the space better. And I think the thing that's so hard, and and I remember when I first started getting into this, the conversations that I was having, and I was almost offended when the conversation turned to, you know what, it's a business. And it's not about you being a special talent and nurturing you know, that little seed within you and making it grow into a garden of beautiful (laughs) words, it's a business. And so it's all about, and that's how the agents look at it. That's how the editors look at it. And that's how you as a writer need to look at it. And so finding that fit and being able to connect with someone, and that's what we like to facilitate is that fit. Like, oh my god. Because
1: sometimes we just, it's like being a matchmaker. Right. Yeah, You know what I mean? I feel like, literally, I'm a publishing matchmaker. <laughs> well, I have 99% of the time. Because I see projects come in where I'm like, okay, it needs editing, obviously. needs some work. But we have so many editors on staff, I'm like, so-and-so mm-hmm. loves this. Yep. She'll, she'll, or he'll eat this up. Yep. So we send those books on to that editor and the same with pitching or same with reading your query letters or same with your, going over your submission packets. If we see something where we're like, ah, man, you know who would like this? hmm We go, hey, dude, send it to this person. Here's who I think is going to be a great fit for you. Exactly. And that, and that shifts, too, because we go, we're, we're so involved in this community and in this culture of writing mm-hmm. that we go to a lot of events between all the owners and, and co-owners and sub- contractors within us within SPS, mm-hmm. we're involved all over the place. It, it might actually kind of shock you um, how many... Uh, we're probably represented either through clients, oh, freelancers, yeah. subcontractors, graphic designers, editors, co-owners. We're probably at most of the conferences you're at. Yeah. Somebody associated with us. I mean, that I'm proud of that. Yeah, it's great. But again, going back to, back to the pitching thing... If you need help pitching, we can help you there too. Let me throw that out there. Um, but what, so I, on a more linear and um, physical level, the pitch itself, obviously you wanna have that that marketing plan, that business plan kind of have in mind, kind of have the ability to grow, show that you're passionate about your work. Now, when it comes to the body of the book that you're actually selling, you know, Melanie said, oh my God, I was so not prepared at the beginning of this. Um, what you should have in mind for actually selling the book, because even I sell, I don't sell a book. I sell a series, mm-hmm. but it's the same concept. So what I do is I go hook um what my hook was from my last series that I just sold. I, I got a six book deal, dude. Pound it. Boom. A um, six book deal are unheard of. I'm so proud of it. I'm so proud of it. <laughs> um, So when I sat down with my editor, I said, hey, I know a hitman.
0: That's a hell of a hook. I sold six books. (laughs) Um,
1: (laughs) No, Denise is great. She'll laugh at me for that. But um, so I literally led with that hook. I did it off the cuff, standing in the middle of a hotel lobby, didn't know I was going to run into my editor. Mm. Mm -hmm. Okay? Opportunity presented itself. Opportunity presented itself. I literally had 30 seconds. I said, I know a hitman. Here are the tropes I'm going to write. Bam, 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 bam. So know your tropes. Know your tropes. Especially if you're writing in the romance genre. Tropes are good. Tropes are great. I said, I want to touch on own voices. I want to touch on babies. I want to do this. Doesn't have to be holiday, but if you want that, I'm open to that. Which shows my flexibility. Mm -hmm. And I said, I'll get you the proposal in the next two weeks. And then you did. And honestly... I came up with that proposal. Don't tell Denise. The night before, I just had six tropes in my mind, and a hook. That was it. Ugh. And I mean, it, I, I got her the proposal. It wasn't two weeks, but they kind of know that. But yeah. it was it was very very shortly after that. I've had a, I was on deadline for a
0: book for them before that. Finished the deadline, got them the proposal as soon as I was done with the deadline, and six, signed that six book deal. And that's what it takes, is knowing the industry, knowing your genre, mm-hmm. knowing your editors and agents, and being confident in your writing. And and being able to, at least, a, a pitch
1: doesn't have to be, Johnny fell in love with Jill. No, that's boring. And they had to overcome this because... Nope, that's boring. And then this happened. You see, even my voice tone changes. Like, yeah. But I've heard that pitch working for publishers because, yeah. like, they you, you memorize it. It needs to be hook. If you're doing a single book. Yep. If you're doing a single book, look at it like this. It should be hook. I know a hitman. Period. <laughs> Bam. I have your attention. So hook. Then it should be central goal of the story by introducing your heroine if you're writing romance. Mm -hmm. A little bit of their backstory. Hero, their goal, how it impacts the the goal of the story. Hook with a climax. Unanswered. That's it. It is so... I mean, people go crazy with pitches. Very simple. Very simple. Keep it very, very simple. Very simple. So, it's even, even easier? Go hook heroin goal or actually should go hook goal heroin hero hook period
0: the end and so a lot of times as an unknown author what helps a lot is that comp or that yeah um, great great so comp authors or what I like to think of a lot are comp movies because comparison is the word she comparisons comparison. yeah um, so like I might say it's um, Doc Hollywood meets and all of my movies are 80s references I, 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 okay don't do what she does guys <laughs> use current stuff Doc Hollywood meets um, Silence of the Lambs that's fine. I did book. use Silence of the Lambs in one of my Did friends. you really? I did. So I guess do what she does. Well, you know, classic movies. You okay. can't get around that. You can't get around that. I classics. don't go to the movies because uh, I have... Children. Children. And they suck the life and times out of you. We love them. We love them. Those little parasites. <laughs> um, they're amazing. But, but so you're always, you know, if you can frame it for somebody and get, and pull a comp that is similar in tone to what you do. I say go movies because then you're not setting yourself up. One time I used a comp of a well-known author and the agent laughed at me. Um, She's like, yeah, but you're not there yet. And I was like... Oh, that wasn't very nice. It wasn't. It wasn't very nice. But I was like, yeah, I'm not pulling uh, names of authors anymore. I'm just going to be doing. Well, I've, I've been asked that question when I was up and coming. They're like, who do you write like? And I think you should be prepared for that. Yeah, and, and let them kind of ask that question. But I think, in terms of framing your story or framing your tropes, look to movies because I think they're easy for people to. And there's an emotional
1: it. reaction. Yep, yep. And again, I'm going to keep hammering on this. People do not remember what you say. They do remember how you make them feel. Mm -hmm. And that is absolutely 100% true of editors and agents when you're pitching. Mm -hmm. If you can make them laugh, do it. Um, A a couple of rules I want to touch on, the don't do's of pitching. Oh, yes. Because, oh my gosh, I've seen some crazy stuff. Don't roll in with a one sheet. Typically, in romance, we don't do that. What's a one sheet? A one sheet is like a sales document think of like a real estate agent the one sheet <laughs> um, don't do it they're gonna throw them away right. um, don't forget a business card Oh make sure you yes. hand them your business card when you leave that meeting or at the very beginning of the meeting so you don't forget when you're nervous mm-hmm. um, a lot of times they write stuff on the back of those um, to remember you and I and I'm pretty sure that happened to me with some some people because they're like hey I know you.
0: Yep, um, and, don't, and that means when you're designing your business card, leave the backside blank. Ah, good good advice. Um, another don't
1: do on the pitch is wear uncomfortable shoes. I know that sounds crazy. Or uncomfortable spanks. Or uncomfortable spanks. But seriously, if you are sitting there thinking about how bad your feet hurt, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to sell. You want to be as comfortable and confident appearing as humanly possible. So that leads me to the next thing, which is don't dress like a schlep. <laughs> All right? Um, at home, right now, I... Mel came over f- to do these recordings. Um, I'm not feeling well, so she came to my home, my office, which is great. But I had a DC Comics shirt on. I was like, "All right, it's gotta go." We gotta like actually <laughs> do work and stuff. Did it get much better? No, but at least I, I sort of tried. Um, uh, would I wear my DC Comics shirt? And by the way, it was all the the female superheroes. It was, it's my favorite shirt. Um, uh, <laughs> it's your power shirt. It's my power shirt. Um, would I wear that to a pitch? Absolutely not. Yeah. Um, I, we've talked about this before about going to conferences. I have one nice item. It doesn't even have to be expensive. Just one thing that speaks to me that makes me feel confident. I rely on that. Yep. Um, your security piece. It's my security piece. Um, another don't, and, and pitching. What, what comes to mind
0: for you, Mel? Uh, don't chase somebody into the bathroom to pitch to them.
1: Oh, or
0: elevators. Or elevators. Don't corner them. You can strike up a conversation with editors and agents. They're there for that. If they're not sitting at a table awaiting a pitch, don't force the pitch on them. You know, that I'm going to caveat that. Okay. Because, like I said, I pitched in the lobby. Well, that's true, but you have an existing relationship.
1: I do, but um, I, I, I've i seen it work. Yeah. But, but I, I keep it to no more than 30 seconds. Yep. And say, hey, are you open? I would lead with, hey, do you have a second? Right. Just respect their time and space. Exactly. Because they, they go and they're, especially when it's a large group, they know people are going to come up to them. Yep. Um, and I was talking to a, an agent friend of mine and it happened while we were speaking, so the the person came off really rude. Oh, she interrupted while you She were interrupted speaking. and I didn't mind because we're friends. It's not like I was pitching, I was just visiting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, you go handle this, but I could see by the look on the agent's face that it was already a no because she had interrupted. Right. So and we were having an important conversation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they are there to work too. Yep, and so they're human that. beings.
0: So just be respectful. Yeah, and be...
1: absolutely, absolutely. And and pitching is hard. Um, it is hard. Not deals don't always come from
0: pitches. So, what I will say is pitch, 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 pitch. Get real comfortable with it. Do it as often as you can because. You're going to do it your whole career. It's, it is. It's It's what the industry is made of. Whether you're pitching an editor that you already know in a hotel lobby on a series or whether And this you're... was my editor I've worked with for five years. Yep. And I'm still pitching to her. And you just have to. That's just... Yeah. Industry changes. They're in it to make money. Unless your name is Nora Roberts, you're not an automatic. No. Absolutely not. So it just is the unfortunate reality of it. So... If you guys have any pitching horror stories... Oh, tell us, please. Make oh, me yours feel better. Oh, are a good story, man. Or good laugh. <laughs> if you want to give us a
1: bottle of wine to say, hey, thanks right? for the uh, information. Right. We'll be around. Hey, by the way, guys, we have a couple of conferences coming up. One is uh, the Special Operations Writers Conference in Bozeman next June. It's specialoperationswritersconference.com. Mm-hmm. Super easy to find. It probably sounded like I was Canadian right there. Dot I can com. feel it. I can feel it. Um, <laughs> sounded kind of Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Sorry, I love Wisconsin. So, um, anyhow, <laughs> the other one we have, I have coming up, um, is, there, is uh, the Emerald City Writers uh, Group is fly, or Greater Seattle Writers Group. Yes, is flying me to Seattle um, the first weekend of February, and I will be doing a day long intensive course on the soup to nuts of publishing literally everything for eight hours. Um, I'm going to be talking about everything from creating that query letter to um, negotiating contracts to uh, literary attorneys to cover design. marketing to cover design to, I mean, everything. So if you guys want to join me there, um, I think it's like 50 bucks if you're in the area in Seattle. Ooh, that's great. Um, I'd love to see you. Um, and feel free to contact me at Danica Winters if you have any questions. Uh, if
0: you'd like to tell us your pitching horror stories, I love them, and you know I'll use them here. Oh, we will constantly, that'll be, that'll make me feel better about my own pitching horror stories, so please, (laughs) please, alleviate my shame and send me your sad stories. (laughs) Have a good night, guys. Thanks. Bye. Bye.